Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Bylaws were violated today in the SEC and last night, according to Fisher Greg Sankey. Ross York saying that Saban's comments last night violated SEC bylaws and then the SEC reprimanded Saban and and Jimbo Fisher for violating bylaws uh, for the exact same clauses uh, that coming out within the last 10 minutes or so. Outkick 360 rolls on. Final hour is here coming up in 20 minutes. Billy Lucci of TexAgs.com will be with us. Uh, we'll dive into the Texas A&M, Alabama, Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher drama, saga, in uh, the Real Housewives episode that's playing out across the SEC today, uh, which we're all here for. It's, yes. been, it's been an amazing theater. Uh, same goes for Roy McElroy at the PGA Championship at Southern Hills in Tulsa. Um, last I saw, he had a 65. Um, did he finish his round with 65 today? He did indeed. Finish his round five under par, 65. Roy McElroy in sole possession of the lead right now. Will Zalatoris, young Will Zalatoris, the American, uh, finished with a 66, four under par. Tom Hogue, four under. Matt Kuchar, three under. Abraham Answer three under. Lucas Herbert, three under par. A group at two under includes Xander Shoffley, uh, who was finished for the day. Scotty Scheffler right now, two under par through eight holes. And he is the American that has been red hot. So he's off to a good start. Two under par through eight today. Again, leader, five under par right now. And that is Roy McElroy. And I am scanning down Hutton, trying Tiger to find shot 74. Tiger. Not good. Four yeah. over today for Tiger Woods. It's a, it puts him in danger of missing the cut uh, for tomorrow, which is not good if you're you know, a Tiger fan that just wants to follow him around the course uh, throughout this tournament. Um, and, and knowing the history of him at Southern Hills. Yes. He opened his round with a birdie. He teed off on 10. Um to start his entire round, opened the round with a birdie, and and then you know the the long day took place. He had another birdie, uh, birdie at uh, fourteen, and five bogeys were then over the next eight holes for him in his round. So it was a it was a struggle throughout, and hopefully, uh, just the sports fan in me wants him to continue. I'm not saying he is going to be in contention by any means, but I want to make the, make the cut so that we can watch him on Saturday and uh, see him as much as possible for as long as he's going to play. Yeah, Rory McIlroy, though, does give a little bit of star power if he can stay relevant in this one. Uh, there's no bump like the Tiger Woods bump that you're going to get, and that bump's not going to happen right now because he is four over, and uh, I'll go ahead and call it. Uh, we've got time of death right now for Tiger in this tournament, <laughs> and it is at 4.03 Central Time on Thursday. He's not making a run. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, speaking of making a run, the new, there's a new record mile 
for high school athletes, Chad. Yeah, so this is what jumped out to me about this story more than anything else. Uh, it's the first time that's happened for a high school athlete since 1964. Hutton, can you think of any athletic feat that happened in 1964 that has not happened in that long no, of a time? No, it would be that or um, like wrestling or something. I'm trying um, to think of like... Uh, there's so many things about this story that really uh, jumps out to me. Another one is that this young high school man's name is Gary Martin, which does not sound like a high schooler in 2022. But Gary Martin, who is a senior at Archbishop Wood High School in Warminster, Pennsylvania the Pennsylvania Catholic League Championship. Frank Wycheck, our buddy, once a member of the okay. Philadelphia Catholic League. I don't think this high school specifically, but that is a, uh, th- that is a uh, widely celebrated athletic league is the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area Catholic League. In the championship, he ran a three-minute, 57-second mile. Um, this was a broke a record set by Jim Ryan in 1964. So... 1964 to 2022 is how long it took for a high schooler to run a sub four minute mile. Oh, I remember trying to run that uh, in under seven in uh, for the high school football team. That was the mark you had to make for certain positions. We uh, you had to do it just under seven, just get through it. We had to go, I think, under six for basketball, maybe seven, because I feel like there's a couple of guys on our team that no way they could run it under six. My fastest mile, and again, this is uh, you know our baseball coach who was our strength coach with the hand timer. Yeah, this was not you know laser timed or anything. Uh, was five minutes and five seconds, and that was absolutely getting it was for blistering. me. And we had a guy, uh, Jake, buddy on my team. Five oh one was the record my four years in high school, and then think about that and how I feel like he was in a dead sprint for four laps. Around that track, and now think of a minute, every a minute and four seconds being shaved off that. Everyone can relate to having the one guy that you played sports with who could just run, like it was their God-given talent of just running and not, not losing any stamina. The guy in, in in my high school was Colby King, who would smoke cigarettes. His wind sticks is what we called them. He would smoke wind sticks and then go out and That's what blister Jacob Swanson calls everyone. Everyone. He would run laps. I mean, you would be lapped by this guy, uh, and he had just opened up the emergency door in the in the in the weight room or in the locker room so he could uh, smoke a cigarette without being detected at high school. That's and, un- and, I love this guy. And then he would go and just run laps around everyone. Is this guy still with us that you know of? Uh, I don't think so. I'd love to talk to him about this. I love characters like this. Everyone had him in high, in high school sports or growing up playing sports in any way. My buddy Jake Mingledorf was the one who had the five-minute, one-second mile, and he was the type of guy who always looked like he was never tired. Yeah. Right? You know, that, yeah. that type of guy. Oh, like, this guy never sweat. Yeah, yeah but you know, I would, everything I did looked like it was a lot of effort, no matter what. We had another guy. We go from Mingledorf to Rockensock. We had a guy on our team named Eddie Rockensock, great shooter. And Eddie was a senior when I was a freshman. So we're just moving up into the high school ranks, and the freshman basketball team would have to do conditioning during football season with the high school team at times. So we're doing all you know, the conditioning and just you know, crazy stuff. Like some, One day it would be uh, our school backed up to a neighborhood. It was like, hey, run to the end of the neighborhood, the cul-de-sac, <laughs> Touch the stop sign and come back. It's like two and a half miles. 
And, you know, he'd give you however long to run, 30 minutes, whatever, to run there and back. And guys would just, like, camp out in the yard and hide out and act like they were doing something because the coach would drive by and see if you were running, and, you know, people would, would cheat all the time on that. Um, but we would run Is a time mile. or No, we were doing sprint laps one day, which was the worst day of the week. You were having to do a sprint lap under a minute was the, was the you know, multiple times, and that was very difficult. Eddie Rockensock, I remember finished one of these sprint laps where <laughs> I think we were doing like the, um, I'm sure this is not PC, but we called it the Indian run where you would have to catch the guy in the front of the line. And then, the, you know, once you caught, you'd go around. You did like a mile doing that sprinting. The train. Yeah. <laughs> also, maybe not. <laughs> anyway, also maybe not PC, but whatever, whatever you call it, that, that's what we call it back then. So whatever. Um, I'm sure it's called something way more woke now that I'm not aware of. So we're, we're playing this. We're doing this, this run, and Eddie gets to the end of it. And I'm, I'm the 15-year-old freshman. He's a senior who's a star on the team. And I remember he's like, guys, my, my, heart, my heart's hurting. My heart's hurting so bad. Is anybody else's heart hurting? And I remember me and my buddies are standing around like, uh, no, I, Eddie, you might want to go to a doctor, get that checked out. But he's just, oh, it's burning so bad. My heart's burning. Is anybody else? And he's just asking everyone, does anyone else's heart hurt like this? And I'm thinking, this dude's having a heart attack. Yeah. You know, 17 yeah. years old out there. And, I mean, I think he was fine. Uh, afterward, I guess his heart s- stopped hurting. But I'll, I'll never forget that, where we're just wide-eyed looking at him like, I don't know if I could talk I to this guy. I love how the story ended by, I, I guess he ended up being fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he played that season. Uh, I've played men's league basketball with him, with him in the year since. Is there a more sense. epic name than... Rock and sock, like Eddie on the back of a jersey, uh, the back of your uniform in high school, to have rock and sock on the back. He went on and played at Lambeth, I think, in West Tennessee, NAIA ball. Terrific shooter. I mean, that was great, the, great men's league guy to have, like in a church league. You know, could, that was, was a really Mick good Foley, church league player. Uh, rock Dwayne Johnson tag team was rock and rock sock. and sock. Yeah, that's right. Rocket, good, good one. But that's the same. And this is mean, the same, same era, era that I was yeah. playing with him. Yeah. Yeah, his mom is uh, a big-time real estate agent <laughs> in my hometown. Rock and Sock Realty. The Rock and Sock Real Estate Agency. <laughs> how, uh, how fast could you run a mile right now? Oh, my gosh. I, I could not do it. Uh, I don't even know if I would finish it, honestly. Well, I mean, would I finish That's, it running my... the whole way? I mean, I, I could probably push myself to do it. But, I mean, I can I, I, I can tell, you the, minutes, last, I can tell you the last time I ran. <laughs> Like, if I was really like, okay, you have to run this mile in under nine minutes, could I do it? Probably. But, I mean, my running now consists of there's a nature trail in my neighborhood, and I just like to get outside. So I will run out my street, down another street, completely downhill, and that empties into the nature trail, and I run the nature. And right when I make the turn, I get into nature, and I stop the run. <laughs> so once I hit the opening, or once I kind of get in the closing of the trees around me, a creek on the right, I start walking. And then I, when I get tired of walking, Hutton, I run. That's my running. I'll run for maybe 30, 45 seconds, then I'll walk again. I, and I'll catch my breath, and then I'll run a little bit more. I have never... Maybe two I've miles. I've never gotten tired of walking. <laughs> yeah, maybe two miles. I'm the same way. Like you, I, I could walk this city yeah, yeah. backwards and forwards and be fine and never get winded. Of our crew... Um, I would uh, would you go with Dylan or Albany's as the the guy who could run the I don't think well, the Swanson, fact that Dil, Dylan's already pointing to Albany's I don't think Jakob is uh, uh, Jakob can run I don't know if he's running the full mile no um, I, I don't think Jakob has 
probably ran anywhere since 2005, if I had to guess. Probably somewhere around he, that he era. He says that's accurate. And, but even though he does have wind sticks that he, he smokes daily. That doesn't work for everyone. We've got Davey Hudson in here <laughs> who said he got back to lifted weights and apparently pulled something in his neck yeah. doing so. Told me yeah. to lay off the He may be able to finish sports. the mile, though. He may be able to finish the mile. I don't know if he would out. I, like, it's Albanese in this room. I, I think, mean, look, yeah. th- this guy went vegan and you know lost uh, one of himself yep. in weight and now could probably run circles around all of us. But, I mean, I'm the type also that uh, I'm like Seabiscuit. You know, if I see the competitor's eye next to me, I'm going to kick into another <laughs> gear, even to my own physical detriment. I proved this with my young daughter when I raced her in the yard and pulled everything <laughs> in my body. Because I give her a head start, and we're running slightly downhill. This is like a summer or two. This is during the pandemic. I, I can hear her out. Excuse me, you challenged me to what? Well, I was Line like, up. Let's go. I would give Hand her, I, I'd let her get halfway Three down and I, I would take off and I, my momentum got going. I beat her in the race and there's video of it. And I go tumbling into the street because <laughs> I pull both quads and then scrape myself up in the street. Luckily there was no car coming. Or I would be dead right now. FanDuel. Almost like Eddie Rockensock was that day. Oh, Eddie Rockensock. Running track to bring it back full circle. FanDuel has posted their, uh, their odds for Texas A&M Alabama on October the 8th. Have you seen this, Chad? No. Uh, it is in Tuscaloosa. You can bet on this game right now. What would you say the uh, if I said uh, over under? What's the spread? Yeah, what's the spread? Over gonna, under two touchdowns. I'm going to say Alabama minus nine and a half. Right now, you can get Texas A&M plus sixteen. Wow. You know what's crazy is uh, I saw some early spreads. A&M is plus 16 at Bama. Yep. Bama is minus 13 in Knoxville. Whoa. So a smaller line for Tennessee hosting Bama than A&M at Bama. That surprised me. I thought it would be about three or four points the other way. I thought A&M would be three or four points closer Closer. to Alabama, even on the road, as opposed to Tennessee at home. Tennessee did play Alabama really well. I mean, into the fourth quarter in Tuscaloosa last year. Got out of hand late. You know, they, they, they sprinted out in the fourth quarter, but that was a close game for three quarters. Or Saban's 4-1 and one against Jimbo Fisher, 3-1 and one against Jimbo at Texas A&M. We know how last year's game went down in College Station uh, in the epic uh, game of the year with how things uh, worked out there with, with their win. Um, yeah, 16 sounds steep. Just our initial analysis of this. Um, new, new quarterback. I would, I would take A&M. On that one. If I'm jumping on anything, I'm taking the points with A&M. Bama's not covering I'm already jonesing for the the lead up and build up for this game. I just... October 8th. It's right around this time, closer to June probably, where I start to... All right, now I'm going to do a deep dive into the first couple weeks of the college football season and see what the schedule looks like. Start to peek ahead. What are the big games that are going to be happening? I know September 10th is Bama in Austin, Texas. That game's on Fox, Bama, yep. Texas that week. But early on, you've got that first week always has those big neutral site games to look at also. So, look, I'm always ready for football. Billy Lucci, always ready for football. Oh, yes, always ready for a good press conference as well uh, with Jimbo Fisher. Billy Lucci of Texags joins us next with reaction and takeaways from this morning's presser epic blowtorch presser from Jimbo Fisher against Nick Saban and what Saban has recently said with Bobby Carpenter on Sirius XM 
We'll get Billy Lucci's takeaways from all of that in perspective on what's going on behind the scenes between these two. That's next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Billy Lucci of TexAx.com will join us momentarily. Our Kick 360 rolls on from... The beautiful 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us today across the Outkick Network with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Um, I found this tweet interesting, Chad. Uh, let me pull it up here because we've had so many different windows. By the open. way, Billy may be on in like three or four minutes because I just noticed in our text exchange, <laughs> I asked for 420 and he responded saying he was going to be in Chicago and you know I don't know where I'll be, but I'll do it at 425. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> but I said 420, but he responded with, I'll, I'll be good to go at 425. And look look at this. I think he's no, ready, he's ready to go at 421. 421. So, our guy. I love it. Yeah, Billy Lucci joins us on Outkick 360, uh, com, of course, there. Uh, Billy, thank you for the time as we uh, recap what has been a, a crazy saga between uh, Saban and Jimbo today. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm in an Uber headed to Wrigley. After a uh, nice, we about did a water landing on Lake Michigan. So (laughs) in the middle, yeah, I've never heard them actually say that out loud before. But I've also never heard a, uh, I've never heard coaches say out loud what Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher (laughs) said uh, in the last twenty four hours. So I guess there's a first time for every. Actually, this isn't first time. This was some old school. Old school SEC throwback haymakers. I feel like A and M. You know they got their foot wet, feet wet in the SEC in 2012. But what's happened here, in, you know, really ever since they beat Bama, and you know they lost a couple games after that that derailed that season. But I feel like this stuff right now, Texas A and M, is uh, now just a full blown card carrying. Uh, I'd say SEC power in the making. They've got they've got to go do it on the field these next couple of years, right? But I'd rather go do it with a chip on their shoulder, like I think they're starting to get with the players that they're starting to recruit. I mean, it does, Billy. It does feel like two victories in twelve months over the Alabama football program with the way Jimbo reacted to all this today, calling the press conference. We started the show by saying we we could not recap what happened in a audio cut we we played the entire press conference because it was just one liner after the other with Jimbo coming full blowtorch on Nick Saban that that was like WWE type stuff wasn't it yeah that was it was entertaining to follow when I was when I was flying but uh look I I think Jimbo was perfectly in within his right to respond the way he did. And here, here's why I think Nick, Nick has been kind of presenting himself differently than a lot of these coaches in this conference and in the country view him for a long time now. And I think Jimbo Fisher and, and probably anybody else that's worked for him uh, that no longer does would have 
similar opinion unless your name's Lane Kiffin and you're just kissing up to him on uh, on Twitter every day. But and, and give Lane credit, he gets at him his own way. I, 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 let's not act like that's not by design. I'm not giving Lane enough credit. But speaking of, Lane comes at Jimbo uh, off a fictitious story about $30 million, which is just an absolutely insane number, exaggeration, actually flat-out lie. I said earlier on Feinbaum today, there's one of AM's 11 current freshmen that have been here four months having an NIL deal. One out of 11, like a significant, like one that's not like mom and pop pizza shop or, you know, uh, the pan, uh, you know, pancake joint or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, but and, and when, when coaches in your own conference are say, stating the, that stuff as fact, and I, I truly believe that Nick Saban was trying at that event to charge up the Alabama. I think, A, he was frustrated with NIL, which I think Jimbo Fisher is too. And so is Kirby Smart. And so is, you know, uh, Steve Sarkeesian and, and Brent Venable. Who, everybody's frustrated with it because it's such a moving target. H- how do you think Pat Narduzzi feels about it right now on the day that Addison picks? So that's across the board, including Jimbo Fisher and including Nick. So I think part of it was that, guys. But I think the other part was him trying to charge up the Alabama uh, donors that were there. In other words, the irony is right before he said all that, he's kind of asking them, that, to basically saying, y'all need to step up because the world is changing and we need to keep up. That's what he meant by that. We can't do this number two thing uh, very much longer without, you know, essentially saying, doing what A&M did. People say, well, he didn't accuse him of cheating. Well, yeah, he did. He accused A&M of every player they signed signing an NIL deal while they were still in high school is essentially what he did. Yeah, and I look at their relationship, Billy, and I guess my question is, was this a a thousand cuts that sort of led to this boiling point? Was this something where, you know, I I know that uh, Jimbo Fisher even said, there's a reason I didn't go back and work for him at any point when I had a chance to go work for him after LSU because I don't like the guy and I, I know what he's up to. There were a lot of insinuations made by Jimbo Fisher about a slimy side of Nick Saban. And, you know, comparing him unfavorably to a guy like Bobby Bowden as a person. So was this something that the moment they were together at LSU and the moment he left, they haven't liked each other? Or was this more of a gradual process to get us to this hatred? If if you're asking me based on what I've kind of uh, taken in over the last few years, I, I think it was gradual. I don't think it was the day you left, damn you for leaving me, you will never be the same. And that happens a lot in coaching. We, we know that. I don't think that was the case in this. I think when he left and they became competitors, and maybe the competition has worn, uh, worn out the friendship, but I think it's a combination of that. And just, look, I think people, you've heard it probably. I don't want to put words in your mouth. I've sure heard it. Uh Nick Saban's had a makeover in the last few years. You know, he's become, you know, funnier and seems more laid back on the surface, but I I don't think he's the most likable dude. I'm not saying anything crazy there. And I think a lot of people, uh, I think he's got a lot of enemies in the sport. And I think the way he does things and tries to uh, impose his will via these 
press conferences and these rants he goes on and these topics that he singles out where it's always, and I don't blame him for it. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. If I'm an Alabama fan, I love it. If I'm his bosses, I love it. Um, as a competitor, I love it. But he tries to just impose his will on the NCAA, on the SEC, on the media. And, and a lot of times, if you don't think there are a ton of subtle digs, so you said death by a thousand cuts. And I think that's exactly what it is. When you got a guy that's won a national championship in Jimbo Fisher, he's trying to build a powerhouse. Um, and by the way, all of a sudden, he went from recruiting against uh, Nick Saban in, in, in Florida a lot, in Alabama, to really throughout the Southeast and you know within the same conference and trying to defend his home state against Saban. I think they crossed, they've crossed paths a lot more over the last few years on the recruiting front than most people realize. And contrary to what Saban and, and fans around the country and a lot of media people that don't realize this, A&M's won their fair share of those battles. They've, they, they haven't won, I wouldn't say the majority. They've certainly won plenty. A&M had the number four class under Jimbo. They've had two others in the top six out of four classes. And, and then this past year, number one, Got to you know to be honest with you, Nick Saban to me today sounded like a sore loser. He lost to AM on the field for the first time in nine years, mind you. It's not like he's frustrated and they can't get over on the Aggies. You guys were there, you saw it. It was yep. incredible. Yep. Uh, Matt, imagine being a recruit there that night and watching AM finish in the top five the year before. Um, and then he lost to Georgia in the championship game where you know he thought he should have won and his best receiver got hurt and probably cost him the game. And then he lost in recruiting to AM. And today he jumped up there, or yesterday he jumped up there and he sounded like a sore loser. And I think Jimbo had finally had enough. And the one thing I keep hearing on, on reading on Twitter, and I hate the saying, I think it's the uh, it's such a Twitter saying. We see it on Twitter. You see 100 people say it, so you've got to be the 101st person to go. He said the quiet part out loud. I've seen a bunch of people say that about Nick Saban since last night, and I, I hope y'all didn't tweet back because you know I love No, we, we didn't. But, no, we but, didn't. You're good. Hopefully Clay didn't too. No. But the person that said the quiet part out loud, all, all the if college football coaches and a lot of recruits over the years and players – if they were really being honest on their Twitter feeds, they'd be saying, no, it was actually Jimbo that said the quiet part out loud. And he said it really loud. And guess what? He would have never said it had Nick not done what Nick did. Billy, put in per Billy Lucci of Texags with us, put in perspective for us what the last year of recruiting has been like and all the years you've had boots on the ground there and the momentum with five-star after five-star, four-star after four-star that made up what the greatest recruiting class on paper we've ever seen. How did it get yeah. to this? How did they mount the class that they did to have the reaction that Saban's having? I'll give you the, the – I'm going to talk really fast here, and here's what happened. Best year ever in Houston. Their Houston class of signees 80 miles up the road alone would have ranked in the top 15 in February. Um, number two – 2021, 2021, uh, 2022 class was recruited off of Texas A&M season when they finished, you know, when these kids recruitment started, the Aggies finished in the top five, they won the orange bowl. They were in the playoff discussion for six weeks along with Ohio state, Bama, um, Clemson and Notre Dame. Right. 
Then the entire offseason, A&M's ranked top 10. They lose a couple games early. Before you know it, they're beating Alabama at Kyle Field. So every recruit that's wondering, are these guys full of it or can they really deliver? They delivered. Like I said, you guys were there. They had hundreds, uh, over 100 recruits there. The majority of this class were there. They won like five in a row, uh, climbed back up to near about the top 10. Then they lose the last two. But that class was about done. And by, the, by that time, you start looking at the classes and you go, you start looking at the classes and you go, oh, it's Georgia, it's A&M, it's Alabama. So think about being in the mind of a prospect in the 22 cycle, right? Throughout that entire thing, all they heard was A&M mentioned with Bama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame, through their entire recruitment. And then they watched A&M beat Bama. That was very impactful. So it was what I would call the perfect storm. Um, but here's the thing. You do it once, right up until we're talking today. What's everyone in the country talking about right now today? Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban, and Texas A&M. It, it, it just keeps – it's kind of like subliminal messaging, right? When, when Back in the day when we'd hear about it on TVs or movies. Once again, you're hearing Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban, Texas A&M, Alabama. We're talking still about their number one class. This is having a cumulative effect on kids, not only in the state, but around the country. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, watch out for June because A&M will, will start reloading this class again. I don't think they'll be number one again because I don't think they can uh, have that large a class to do it. Um, but I think they're going to have another really strong class that, that com- that's probably lands in the top five. Well, and we're all talking about Alabama versus A&M and Nick Saban versus Jimbo Fisher, but Nick Saban has been on this crusade about NIL legislation and rules governing it, and now the conversation has gone away from NIL and on these two men right now. So I'll ask you, Billy, from what you've seen with NIL, what has been the impact on the sport? What teams are benefiting? There's one here in our state with Tennessee that you see in the top five uh, of recruiting classes for next year right now. Um, this yeah. was going to be something that, if done right by the right programs, big fan bases that are hungry for success, they could catapult themselves into the national conversation. So from your vantage point, what do you think the effects of NIL has been on the SEC? On the SEC, I think it's been incredibly significant i think it's it's that's what nick saban's kind of lashing out about about because they were kind of they they were sitting pretty they didn't have to change anything now even they have to change even the the juggernaut that is alabama has to change kirby smart has to change uh a and i'll tell you right now i don't think a and m here's the irony in all this i would say if you set me in a room with a bunch of aggie power brokers my message to them would be you guys better step up. You look what's going on at Tennessee and, and other places. And, and, and B. John Robinson's driving a Lamborghini and Texas is openly saying they're going to pay every offensive lineman 50000 a year plus. I mean, and again, I'm not saying that they can't do that. You know, when Addison, you know, Texas is getting viewers for, by their own accounts, multiple millions of dollars to keep them away from Tech. A&M's not playing that game yet. And uh, more and more people are. Tennessee's obviously uh, playing it, uh, and and more and more are. I this is coming from a guy who w- we do nil. Okay, we haven't signed up 
any freshmen yet from this class. There are 11 of them on campus right now. But we, we interview the guys. I love the idea of what we do. Tex Ags, we sign them to a deal for X number of interviews for X amount of dollars. And they come in, they do 20, 25 minute interviews once every couple of weeks. It's, yeah, I think it's a great deal. And the, and the, the people, it's kind of crowdsourced. I waited. I didn't want to be first. My guys kept asking me, when are, you, when are we going to do it? I said, we're going to do it second. So once people started doing it, I said, okay, it, it's, it's kosher in terms of the perception and how it's perceived. So we did it and it's been, it's been great. It's been great across all sports, but as far as NIL, right? Just the entire, the un, the, the lack of regulation, the lack of any guardrails at all. I hate it. I love the players getting paid. It's long overdue. Uh, um, I spent my whole college career with roommates that you guys know, Dan Campbell, um, I can remember, you know, us scrounging together money out of our pockets and wallets to go buy a keg of Natty Light back in the day, <laughs> you know, to have a party. And, and and that was everybody across college athletics for the most part back then. They deserved to get paid. The NCAA had so many years to get this right, and they did nothing. And they just wished it – they just hoped it would just go away. It would just go away. And uh, once it didn't, and they let it go, you know, that was that. And, and now it's just a complete mess. It's a mess from one state to the other, from one conference to the other. I get Nick Saban's frustration. Uh, I get Jimbo Fisher's frustration. Everybody, you know, Tennessee, they're thrilled about this quarterback, but they'll lose, they'll, you know, they'll end up losing somebody. And they'll be, you know, no one's going to be happy and, and not nearly as many players are getting paid as people think. You know, it's like the, the the elite of the elite are making any substantial money at most schools. So I think the schools that ultimately win are going to be the ones that can not only have like the big one donor that's going to come in and say like the Tennessee and like like Miami and say here's three million this year, here's five million or ten million, but it's going to be the, the places that figure out how. Hey, if you go to this school, you're going to get paid minimum of this much every year. Billy Lucci with us. It's all great points, Billy. I I made the reference earlier. I'd love to be a fly on the wall and just tag along with either guy, really, but Jimbo at the spring meetings in a couple of weeks. You're someone who could actually have that access if you want. Are you going to be doing that? Yeah. Uh, I think we sent in for access today, so we'll see. Um, I don't know what they do with – you know, quote unquote fan sites. Although I, I would contend that, you know, we, I, I love, I mean, you know, we are a fan site. I love fan sites. I, it's a badge of honor for me. You guys know that I've never wanted to do anything else once I decided to do it. But a lot of times we'll have a harder time than the quote mainstream media, but I'm going to try my damnedest. And I think there should be an AM fan site uh, represented there. Not to mention, I'd like to get some sun out there in desk <laughs> so we'll see i'm a little white pasty for an italian right now doesn't sound like there's much sun in uh in chicago if you had a water landing or the threat of that today <laughs> it wasn't weather i think the the was i was the told uh, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully it was hopefully it was Sully or, or Denzel or something. But I think the flaps on the wings weren't working and we were coming in oh, a little man. hot. So I, I don't know. Luck, luckily I had the Jimbo Saban distraction going on, so I didn't really get to, you know, contemplate uh, my existence while we were up there circling <laughs> and burning fuel. Well, Billy, here's to you getting granted that access at spring meetings yeah. because I love it when a guy like Jimbo Fisher says, well, what, what do you mean, what's it going to be like? I, I don't fear a confrontation. In fact, I kind of like it. And I'm thinking, all right, had, let's go. That, that's now what I want to see when the first time those two guys see each other. I'll tell you what, I had a little ranch day uh, with Jimbo a week ago uh, through a mutual friend. And I wish I could flip-flop this and that just yeah. so we could be sitting around today. <laughs> Uh, getting his reaction on all that that would have been pretty fun but yeah no it's been a been a unexpectedly unexpectedly wild thursday in the middle of the off season nothing like sec football and a good a good old fashioned blood feud to get some, get things going wrigley's a good plan b though right like if you had an alternative yeah. you're at the right spot so enjoy yeah. man you got where are you sitting tonight i don't know i think we have a pretty good uh I'll, I'll, I'll post. I'll tag you in a picture. Okay. I don't know. I think we have a pretty good hookup. I, I think we're in good shape. We'll I, see. I knew it wasn't going to suck. I mean, I didn't ask because oh. I thought you were going to be in the bleachers. I, it, I just. It looks like I you're getting no there idea. early enough so you can experience Wrigleyville uh, in all of its yeah. grandeur. It's a great spot. Yeah, Wrigley, Wrigleyville, and I'm wondering if I'm going to be able to get like down there for BP or take some cuts underneath, you know, in, in the batting cages. We'll see. That's quite the hookup. If you yeah. got that hooked no, up, then you've I'm, really I'm, got a good hookup. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be the case, but uh, hopefully good seats. Billy Lucci, our guest, always great uh, perspective in the Tex-Ags. Uh, flat out gets it done. Billy, thank you as always, man. We really appreciate the hit today. Appreciate it, guys. Sorry about the uh, doing it in the car, but it was all yeah. I had, and I didn't want to miss y'all. Sounded great, man. Yeah, thank loud you. Loud and clear. Appreciate it, thank Billy. You, man. All right. See Thanks. you soon. Billy Lucci Bye, there, uh, texags.com. Uh, how about his description of the signing class hitting Houston and dominating and then saying if he was speaking on behalf of those donating a and m it's it, time to give more bounty up again based on what we're yeah, seeing he's saying up. you know any up like <laughs> Texas, Miami, and Tennessee we're not doing a good enough job right now, which is pretty remarkable when you think about that recruiting class that hall they just had and I mean he made yeah. good points about look that recruiting class was built off a top five finish. A great, you know, Houston area that they dominated. That's 80 miles down the road. Over 100 recruits being present for that game we were at Hutton. Yeah. Where Texas I mean, A&M we were upside lines, Alabama. It was slammed with recruits. Yes. Uh, I'll never forget being down there. You were down the sideline also, and, and Billy getting us down there. Sideline access, and I'm watching Johnny Manziel's reaction <laughs> as the game is coming down the wire. It was quite surreal. Well, I'll have Chad set up the Manziel reaction whenever Chad – chatted with him fourth quarter well well, well, I, well i'll let you know what johnny football told I, i'll tease it by saying this billy introduced us right yeah. and i knew it wasn't a time for him <laughs> to introduce me to johnny manzel i'll we'll go manzel was more hospitable than urban was though at the coaches oh meeting. way more hospitable well maybe we have time to tell both of those stories uh straight ahead on outkick 360 Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. 
hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. On tomorrow's show, Clark Lee, Vanderbilt head coach. He has his turn at Nick Saban. I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) He'll be in studio with us tomorrow. Uh, Looking forward to that. Bobby Carpenter on tomorrow's show as well uh, to discuss his chat today with Nick Saban on his SiriusXM um, afternoon radio show. Uh, Bobby Carpenter uh, with us each and every Friday. Plus Brent Hubs of VolQuest.com and much more. Kayla Kinnearum from OutKick. We're going to have a a jam-packed Friday edition. Chat. Uh, as we wrap up Outkick 360 for the Thursday show. Uh, Manziel on the sideline. Billy Lucci introduces you. This is fourth quarter. It may have been the, in between third and fourth quarter. Um, as oh, no, it was fourth quarter. It was fourth quarter when you went down. Okay, so it was uh, fourth quarter. It was Texas A&M, Alabama. We know the drama of, yeah, it was, of what that game was in October It was the year. final drive. I think Bama had just scored, okay. and, um, you know, the – A&M needed a field goal to win it, right? They're driving. They're approaching midfield at this point. So, you know, it's tense. Everyone's into it. There's all these A&M legends on the sideline watching the game. And Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football, Heisman Trophy winner, is just right in front of me. And Billy Lucci's down there, and he's calm as can be. Cool, cool as a cucumber, as you just, just saw like in the Just like he was in the car. Just right yeah. there. Cool as the other side of the pillow. Calm but excited. And he's looking around. He's like, man, how – he just randomly looked back. There's a hundred – 12,000 people there or whatever. And he's like, how awesome is this? It's great. It's great, Billy. Thank you. And then he says, hey, have you met Johnny? I was like, no. And I'm thinking, he, he's not going to introduce me to this guy right now. Because Johnny Manziel is in like prayer pose, yeah. you know, on the ground. He, he's in the – He's in like he's the, in, he's the, the, in the, the catcher's, mode, mode. catcher's crotch. Or crouch, not catcher's crotch. Different thing. <laughs> catcher's crouch. And he's watching the game and he's got his hands like praying. And – A&M's, you know, rolling down the field, and Billy Lucci says, hey, Johnny, can you come here for a second? <laughs> and, you know, Johnny kind of gives him the one, one finger. Like, like, hold, hold on a sec. On. Hold on a sec. Let's they run game. a play, a gain of three or whatever, and the clock's still ticking. And Johnny then gets up and looks back. He says, hey, this is my buddy, Chad Withrow with Outkick. He's friends with, you know, Clay Travis, works for that company, great guy. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. He's like, hey, man, uh, great to meet you, but – I'm, I'm going to keep watching this game if that's okay. And I'm like, no, man, great. Good, good seeing you. Absolutely get back and watch the game. Yeah, he was so polite about it, but I'm thinking, this guy probably thinks that I'm like, hey, uh, Johnny, I got a great business opportunity for you. <laughs> okay, let me hear let – me, let, I want you to hear my pitch. Yeah, Johnny, I've, I've got five minutes of your yeah. time right now. If yeah. I can have it, I, I've got something, an opportunity I'd like to talk to you about. And no, I was like, of course, we're going to watch into this game. Oh, and it was oh. madness. And I was on the field when everyone stormed the field and did not have. It was weird because it's a flood of people, and I'm videoing it on my phone, and you see the people coming over oh, from the stands swarm. into yeah. the field. But th- not one time did I feel like I was going to get even touched by anyone. That amount of people on the field, I never felt like I'm about to get run over. You would think it's a stampede. Yeah. If you're not, you don't keep your head on a swivel, you're going to get knocked down. I, it was. I felt like it. Oddly, it felt like I had space to move around and was never going to get hit. Urban Meyer did not feel like you had. You gave him space at the SE, not the SEC, the uh, the National Coaches Convention, which was taking place at the Opryland Hotel 
I don't know how long was this a decade ago now, maybe longer than that. I mean, this was like oh, maybe fifteen was, years ago. Now. I can tell you when it was because um, it was right after Florida just won the national championship in '06. So this would have yeah. been early '07. This was their first national championship. They won in '06 and '08 with Urban. This was early '07. Uh, we were on a show. We interviewed Mac Brown, Philip Fulmer, Jim Tressel, who was at Ohio State at the time. All these coaches. Yeah, the car wash of coaches, and then you wanted Urban Meyer. On Urban the show. Meyer standing over, and there's a group of people talking to him. There's kind of a woman to his right, another guy to his left, probably sports information directors. He's talking to some coaches. I wait until no one is talking to him politely. I'm standing in the background, wait until he's done yeah, with his conversation. And there's his two handlers right and left of him and walk up to him and say, hey, coach, I'm Chad Withrow with my radio station at the time. He looks at my hand. Your hand is extended. Hand is extended, looks at my hand and says, can't you see I'm talking to someone here? (laughs) It does not even shake my hand. I said, my bad. Didn't know you were talking to anyone. Was completely (laughs) silent at the time, but acted like he was talking to the person to the left of him. I love that so much. Look, uh, just the glance down at your hand and then back well, up. Well, I'm 24. I'm speaking to yeah, someone. Yeah, I think I'm 23, 24 and, at the and time. And for the record, he was not talking with anyone. No, no one. He was talking to people. They left, and then it was, can't you see that I'm talking to someone here? I love that so much. I've told Dan Dockich, uh, Urban Meyer's bestie, that story, and uh, he believed it, <laughs> even though they're <laughs> best like, friends. Yeah, that sounds like Herb. That's, you probably did something to make him mad. Who knows? You're having a bad day. Looking forward to uh, a big Friday edition on the show. We enjoyed today. It flew by. Reacting to Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher, uh, where we started the show with the presser from this morning with Jimbo. We've reacted to what Nick Saban had to say on the radio with Bobby Carpenter earlier today. We'll get Bobby's perspective on that and more tomorrow. Recap NBA playoffs, all the headlines going to the weekend, PGA Championship and more. Hope you'll join us for Outkick 360, 3-6 to 6 Eastern, 2-5 to 5 Central, daily across the Outkick Network.